It's a good day. I only have one announcement for you. There's extra burritos <laughs> in the back. <laughs> if you want to take some on your way out, there's cinnamon rolls and burritos. So, there it is. So anyway, it's been a great day. I don't know. How many were at first service? Oh yeah, quite a few of you. I'll change sermons, so we'll do something different. Um, <laughs> it's a lot longer. Um, so anyway, uh, it's a good day. Oh, you want to see the socks? Here we go. That's in case you start falling asleep, just kind of signal me, you know. Sure, the leg, but <clears throat> those are compliments of my wife, picking out my Easter stuff. So we do have a we do have a few slides for pictures there. If we uh, show you of them, there's a cab driver wanted. You need to be a good driver and a criminal record. So Says our best offer, so that's you know that's good. <laughs> Two for nine hundred. So we might, they might want us to do some of the uh, safety things. for. So if you get abducted, just start singing gospel hymns. Three hours later, you're good to go. So anyway, there were two, two golfers that really loved golf, and they were watching the Masters Golf Tournament together, which was last week, and they started asking the question, is there golf in heaven? And as they were asking that, suddenly an angel appears to them, and said, I've got good news and I've got bad news for you. They said, first of all, the good news is there's golf in heaven. And it's the most glorious golf courses as you can even imagine. The bad news is your tea time is at 8.15. So. so if you're here at first service, you heard my mother-in-law joke, so I won't do that one again. You want to hear it again? Get more people mad at me? That's fine. So there's this man who went on vacation with his, uh, his wife and his mother-in-law, and they went over to the Holy Land. And while they were over there in Israel, his mother-in-law died. She had a heart attack, and the couple goes to the local mortuary there, and the mortician there says, okay, we can ship her body home for $15,000, or we can just... Uh, have the service here and a great service and do everything here for $1,500. Without hesitation, the man says, we're shipping her home. And the mortician goes, well, that's a lot of money. You know, we can do a nice burial here. He said, yeah, but 2,000 years ago, they buried this guy. And after three days, he rose again. <laughs> so... so. So that's the mother-in-law joke. So, 
Anyway, appreciate everyone being here. I want to thank everyone who worked getting the stuff ready for this service and the breakfast and all of that. And the sound people did a great job. Everybody's done great. And just all the special music. It's just a, just a glorious day. So it's a good celebration. So let's have a word of prayer as we get into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here on this tremendous Resurrection Sunday. And we just thank you for the new life that we have in you. And I just pray right now that we're ready for the message that you have for us. And Lord, whatever you're prompting us to do, I just pray that we'll be obedient. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to take a passage out of John 20. If you have your Bibles, we'll have it up on the screen. But I just want to read the first 10 verses to you as we start this morning. So John 20. It says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, a lot of times we start Easter service off, and it depends on what background you are, denomination, but we would say, He is risen, and you'd respond with, He is risen indeed. We can do that. So anytime you hear that, you're welcome to say he is risen indeed. But basically this morning, he was dead. He was dead indeed. They had seen him beaten. They had seen him crucified. They had seen him buried. He was dead. With the death of Jesus died all of the dreams of his followers, all of their hopes, everything that they believed in, because they had given everything to this man, Jesus. They'd given their past, their present, their future. And up until three days ago, it seemed like a pretty good bargain. All he asked for was their faith. And for the most part, they did give it to him. I mean, they had seen the impossible. They had seen blind men see. They had seen lame people walk. They believed in all their hearts, in all the things that they could actually see. But not anymore. It's almost like their beliefs now were as dead as they saw Jesus in the tomb. They kind of looked at it and said, well, nothing to do but go home, I guess. Leave their hopes and their dreams because he was dead. Unless it was true what Mary said. Because Mary said that she saw the empty tomb. She said she saw the unoccupied grave clothes. She saw two men in dazzling robes asking her, why do you look for the living among the dead? If that were the case, then he wasn't dead. He would be alive. And if he's alive, then everything's going to be okay. All of the hopes and dreams are going to be restored. So here's the dilemma that we face today on this 
Easter Resurrection Sunday. He's dead. Sometimes we look at it as our beliefs are dead. Our hopes and dreams are shattered. And sometimes we might feel that, well, all is lost. I might as well just go home. Or what Mary reports in the scripture today, that he is risen. He's risen indeed. Everything's going to be okay. Our hopes and our dreams can all be restored because of the resurrection. Now there's a story about a science professor who was a little left of center. Probably had some other issues too. Who knows? But anyway, it was right before Easter, right before the, their break. And one of the students asked the professor, what are you going to do for Easter? Well, you've heard of the, the Christmas Scrooge saying, ball humbug. Well, this professor basically responded in the same manner. This professor said, the Easter story is nothing but a myth. He said, there's no God, and there's no way a person rises from the dead. Well, there was a, a young female student who was a very shy, quiet person. And she replied, sir, I not only believe in God, but I believe in the resurrection. And the professor replied, you can believe whatever you wish. However, the real world excludes the possibility of miracles such as the resurrection. He said, it's a scientific impossibility. No one who believes in miracles can respect science. And he says, to prove my point, the professor goes to the refrigerator where he kept all the lab experiments and he pulls out a raw egg. And he stood on the desk and he said, I'm going to drop this egg on the floor. Science will prove that gravity is true and the egg will break. He says, now here's my challenge. I want you to say a prayer right now and ask this God that you believe in to keep this egg from breaking when it hits the floor. If God can break the rules of science, then you will have proven your point. A little bit of silence in the, in the, in the room at that point. This girl got up and said, okay, I'm going to pray. And here's what she prayed. She said, dear Lord, I pray that when my professor drops the egg, you will prove that you gave us science and make this egg break into a hundred pieces. Dear Lord, I also pray that when the egg does break, my professor will have a heart attack and die. <laughs> they said that nobody laughed. Everything got quiet. And for a moment, the professor did nothing. And then the professor stared at the girl. And he took his egg and he just put it back in the refrigerator and said, class dismissed. <laughs> Apparently, that professor believed in God's existence more than he thought. Because he was not willing to bet his life that God did not exist. That's kind of the way the whole world is. You know how you can read statistics about anything? Well, I read somewhere, that's a good pinpoint, 
99% of all human beings believe in God or a higher power and that the other 1% are lying. But when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, the numbers go down dramatically because there's a lot of people that have their doubts. Now, what if I told you today, right here, right now, I am going to prove without, beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. You're going to leave the confines of this building and you will know once and for all, no questions, no doubts. You're going to be more certain of this fact than you would be willing to stake your life on the one thing you're absolutely positively sure of, that Christ has risen. Now, how can I do that? He's standing right in the back of the room right now. Now, there's a couple things that just happened. If you didn't turn your head around, you're no better or no worse than the apostles. They had been with Jesus for three years. And it says that these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. Even though Jesus told them over those three years that it was going to happen. It was going to happen over and over. He told them. The second group, a couple of you, a few of you, turned around for just a quick peek. Maybe like the apostle Peter. Maybe your heart rate went up just a little bit. You wanted to believe it was true, or at least you were curious. You see, we're no better or worse than Peter who got and ran to the tomb after he had heard the message that he had risen. He wanted to see for himself. And in researching for today's message, I was surprised to find that about 90%, maybe more of the commentaries or the outlines or, or different things people have written, Figured, figured that their task was to prove to all the people that were reading it that Jesus is risen. But I guess that shouldn't surprise me. But I think most of us, probably more of us are like Peter. We want to see things for ourselves. We want to be certain. Maybe you've read the book that uh, Strobel wrote. Uh, he was an atheist at one time and his wife got saved and he went out to disprove Jesus and the Bible and, and all of Christianity. He didn't like his earned money going to his wife's church that she was going to. And so he set out to prove that the resurrection was a hoax. However, as he went through all of his research and, and started doing all of this stuff, he discovered what was good, solid evidence for the resurrection, not, and he started to believe. He began to prove Easter by starting with the death of Jesus, moving through the post-resurrection, and examining the life of all the disciples and their claims. Very interesting book, The Case for Christ. But it doesn't really do anything to strengthen my faith, because I already have faith. Then there's other people that have tried to do just, you know, they've tried to say they've claimed to have found bones of Jesus or different things to try to disprove. Some of them have television series about it, but it doesn't do anything to take away my faith. So why is it? I'm slowly, and, I, and I'm pretty slow usually, most stuff. 
I'm slowly learning the valuable lesson of putting my faith in God's mysteries. Not having to have proof positive. I'm becoming more and more comfortable in not having the knowledge of God. Maybe I'll put it this way. Not having the answer for everything. Because it seems like if we have the answer for everything, he's not God anymore. God's way beyond us. He's way beyond my comprehension. Because it's the faith in the mysteries of God that save us. It's not the proof positive. It's not the knowledge of the facts. The plain fact is we're all here. And that's all we need. Everything else has been taken care of. Your salvation is secure through a cross and an empty grave. It's a glorious mystery. In the very, very first line of the entire Bible, it says Genesis 1.1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Have you ever heard that verse before? That's a mystery to me. God created. That's all I need to know. Most human beings, including the great minds, admit that there is some type of higher power. Well, duh, I didn't have to go to school to know that. So if you can accept the very first words of Scripture in faith then what can keep you from trusting or having faith in the rest of God's promises? God has not lied. He's never let anybody down. He's totally true, totally faithful. And it's not some cruel joke of God keeping you in the dark about certain things. The mystery of life are what make life fascinating and make life worth living. The mysteries of God are about the only thing I can count on to make my heart pound like Peter's. But I love the mysteries of this world. How do the trees go to sleep in the winter and they know to wake up in the spring? How do they do that? Look at the flowers. Do they have some kind of special knowledge to know when to die and then to spring up again in the spring? How do, how do caterpillars turn into butterflies? How do birds that migrate thousands of miles and they're able to do that without any GPS system? Why do some fish swim upstream? And I know there's some that will try to explain with elaborate words. But I guess what I'm saying is save that scientific jargon. I know there's processes. I know there's theories. I'll give you a good Oklahoma term when we live down there. I didn't get off the turnip truck yesterday. <laughs> but any and every attempt to explain them is incomplete. They fall flat. Lee Strobel's case for, the, for Christ and the case for the resurrection book, they can't explain the mystery of our faith. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. So we seem to get Easter to slip in and slip out so quietly and quickly in our world. 
And what I'm saying today, don't let Easter just pass by and saying it's just another special Sunday where we have some really good burritos and, and uh, cinnamon rolls and, and we got to all dress up and wear fancy socks and, and uh, all that kind of stuff and we forget about what Easter and celebration, the resurrection is all about. Spend some time in thought and in prayer contemplating what God has done for you. Ponder the wonder and the beauty of the empty tomb. And as you ponder that empty tomb, maybe your heart starts beating a little bit faster. Resurrecting maybe your hopes and your dreams. And so the invitation today is really, really simple. Claim the mystery of the resurrection as your own. You don't, you don't have to try to explain it. You don't have to understand it fully. You just got to have a little faith. Scripture says the faith of a mustard seed. Faith in the promises of God who brings you new life and then let God do the rest. And just like Peter... I believe you will be amazed at what happens. He's risen. He's risen indeed. And I trust that you, I don't think any of us totally understand the resurrection. But just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it's true. What's God telling you in your heart today? Put your faith and your trust in Him. He'll see you through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Just this wonderful day, but I just pray that it doesn't end here, that this is just the start of recognizing that you are Lord over all, that you've come to this world, you gave your all for all the sin and died on the cross. But Lord, it didn't end on the cross. And today we're celebrating that resurrection where you overcame death. And Lord, you want each one of us to put our hope and trust in you. And so, Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here that is just kind of maybe questioning, wondering what the resurrection is all about, Lord, just speak to them in their heart today and let them claim it in faith to say, I believe, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. And so, Lord, thank you for this time together, this, this wonderful day where we celebrate. But, Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done for us, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.